Welcome to another edition of Palsies with Palsies and Happy Holidays. Hello, Happy Rebecca. Holidays. <laughs> Hi, Justin. How are you doing? Good. I am doing well. Uh, and this show will we're recording early uh, mm-hmm. today, the day before the Julian Way goes on holiday hours, and I go on break for a couple of weeks. Uh, yay! But yay, vacations! Yay, hooray! So, when you're listening to this audience, I just want you to picture me with a mug of hot chocolate, <laughs> probably in a dark room, <laughs> while my son watches a Christmas movie, or. Mm-hmm does something very quietly. I'm speaking this into the universe, folks. Uh, Having spent several days with your son, yes, speaking this into the universe um, uh, is a possibility that I don't see being super likely. But, you know, there's always hope. (laughs) Yes. We are in the Advent season on the Christian calendar, so we are we are functioning in the expectation of something that has not yet ever happened. Exactly. <laughs> but we are, since we are in the midst of the holiday frivolity when you are listening to this, we are uh, talking disability and holiday travel yes. today. Uh, and I should also say I am, I've been keeping a cold at bay for a week and I am still doing that. So if I sound slightly stuffed up today, um, that's why. Please yep. uh, forgive I, I knock on wood don't have a cold yet and I don't know how because it does feel like everyone I know has one. <laughs> yes. So we're just gonna Every- continue knocking on wood for that <laughs> one. <laughs> I have a friend and a spiritual direction client who is a uh, highly gifted medical professional in the Dallas area and she said, you know, I think Santa just gave everybody an early Christmas present of a postnatal drip. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Santa. Can I have cold yeah. instead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so yes. travel. Um, uh, and like, and I, I like, I think we're we're specifically talking about this for for the holiday season. But you know, I mean, travel is a disability relevant topic all year round and um you know so I'd, like i think we can we can probably expand it out to to talk as well about um you know uh, forms of travel that like maybe we don't necessarily use during the holidays but that you know impact our lives when we when we do have to use them yes absolutely to go with the uh, the holiday ish analogy this one is evergreen. Um, exactly. Um, it's particularly relevant in the holidays because so many of us travel, but, um, you know, dust this one off in June in conference season, and oh boy. it'll probably be just as relevant then as it is today. Um, yep. 
<clears throat> Rebecca, you are probably our uh, current resident expert on like <laughs> longer distance mass transit travel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I travel a lot. I think, um, you know, maybe not by the standards of like, you know, people who, who take like, you know, weekly business trips, you know, or, or like travel internationally a lot, but like between the, the travel that I do for, for conferences or presentations, the travel that I do to see partners in different states on a regular basis, and the travel that I do on special occasions for holidays, um, it adds up to a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as a baseline and a place to begin our conversation, do you like to travel? You know, yes and no. Um, I th There are definitely things about travel that I do really enjoy. Um, you know, so I, I do, I definitely like getting to go different places and, and meet different people. Um, you know, I, I certainly have in the past, uh, traveled just for fun. Um, I haven't done that in a while, uh, cause pandemics and money and, uh, getting exhausted by all the other travel I do. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like I, I like, uh, being in new places and I like going to see the people that I love in their own space, you know, like there, there is yeah. something that's, that's really nice about getting to, to be in the place where, where someone you care about lives and, and, you know, letting them show you all of the things that, that they enjoy about it. Um, and I, I enjoy, uh, like, I, I really like train travel. I really enjoy being on a train. Um, it's, it's just a, a very pleasant experience for me. Um, I like, uh, if I'm flying, I like the, the takeoff part of, of planes. Um, there, there's something, uh, very fun for me about the, the feeling of rising up into the sky. Um, so those are the things I like. Beyond that, <laughs> uh, yeah. travel is pretty much always exhausting for me. Um, it takes a lot of energy to both to plan and to execute. Um, so, you know, from a, and I think a lot of that has to do with, with disability concerns. Um, so, you know, whenever I'm trying to travel somewhere, there's, there's all the logistics that anybody has to deal with of figuring out how you're going to get there, how much it's going to cost when you need to be where, but then for me, there's the added complications of, okay, you know, I'm flying so how do I get to the airport? And if, you know, like maybe I live close enough that I could take an Uber, um, but if I do, will I be able to find the ticket counter where I yeah. go to get my my meet and assist? Um, whereas, you know, if if I'm getting a ride from a friend, they can walk into the airport with me for a minute to to help me find somebody. Um, yeah. And 
but then I have to figure out I, I need to get somebody to drop me off and I need to get somebody to pick me up. And uh, and, and similar things happen with train stations or bus stations that if it's not a place I'm super familiar with, I do kind of need some help navigating that space because, oh boy, if you've ever been the large bus station, there are just so many places where buses come in and no intuitive way for a blind person to figure out where the bus I'm looking for is and in a lot of places there is not reliable uh assistance for for me to get to help me find those things um (laughs) so it just it ends up being a lot of work to plan and a lot of anxiety of like okay you know do I have people who are available and willing to do this am i super inconveniencing my family and my community and uh what happens if i can't get the assistance that i need yeah so i i'm just gonna say this uh traveling i do a lot of dry or being driven i guess to be technically correct because Mm -hmm. It's easier for us to navigate the interstate and take our own car than it so is to, to fly or take a train. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I think the last time I was on a plane might have been seven or eight years ago when I went to New York with my wife. That was her Christmas gift mm-hmm. uh, from me. It was a trip to New York. Um Aww delightful best friend lives there best vacation we have ever taken um anyway uh stay tuned for the follow-up podcast on how much i love new york um (laughs) oh man that that would be a fun one given that i lived in new york and would not (laughs) so yeah you you could probably provide the point counterpoint to that argument (laughs) uh but anyway (laughs) but anyway so Flying is a rare occurrence. I like to fly, mm-hmm. mostly because it's quicker. Um, and when we do fly, we fly so rarely, we tend to splurge on a little bit more expensive things where we can, just so it's easier and more comfortable. Because I don't know if you've ever got a uh, cerebral palsy body on an airplane. Not the most uh, mm. space friendly and um, muscle tone friendly uh, operation but here we are Um, that makes a lot of sense I I will say when I fly I am glad I have my eyes and Mm -hmm. can can see so I'm curious and I'm aware that might sound slightly insensitive but I have a (laughs) reason for phrasing it like that how long has like the airport assist um been a thing because that's not something i've ever had to be cognizant of in that way with that um sort of sense does that make sense sure yeah um it has been i i don't know for sure the the total amount of time that it's been a thing um i I would guess this would be one of the things that that kind of came into existence um around the ada 
um because that that's part of how airports comply with the americans with disabilities act um i first started using it in 2017 is that right 2017 i feel like i've used it longer than that but that that's the first time i can remember flying alone um was i i went on a a trip to dc to interview for an internship um Mm -hmm. and and so that was the first time that i i used uh meet and assist um and yeah so it's it's you know it I guess that means that as far as I'm aware, it's only been around for six years, but I'm, I'm sure it's been around longer than that. Um, but uh, it's a very hit or miss sort of service. Um, yeah. You know, it's highly necessary for me, uh, as, I've, as I've already explained. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have had just some of the worst for me experiences of ableism uh while receiving meet and assist service um you know people ask all of the uh most rude and inappropriate questions um people seem not to have been trained at all on how to guide blind people despite this being a significant portion of their jobs so there's a lot of like people grabbing my cane without asking uh you know people taking my stuff uh you know in because they're trying to help but like for me that's you're just grabbing my backpack and taking it away from me um, yeah. people like to uh ask to see my boarding pass and then walk away with it um which oh you know, no. <laughs> Like they're they're just taking it to like check something, but also that's my boarding pass. I can't get on my plane without that. You yeah. have to come back with it. Like I am yeah. fundamentally screwed if you do not. Yeah. Um, so that's that's very stressful. Um, I one time had uh, a experience that like I just truly don't know how to explain how this happened or why. Uh, where I, I was walking with someone um and uh you know like she she was doing the like i am being friendly and asking you asking about you but in that very like wow you're a disabled person who does things in the world isn't that amazing kind of condescending sort of way yeah yeah um and she was like yeah you know like what what kinds of things do you do for fun and i was like well you know i'm i'm a writer and i'm a singer and she was like oh yeah what kind of things do you sing and i was like well i you know at the moment i'm I'm taking, or uh, uh, recently I was I was taking this uh, musical theater course. And, you know, I was saying this, and she's like, "Sing something for me." And I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" And she's like, "Yeah, sing something for me." I'm like, right here in the airport. And she's like, "I'm like, yeah. here. I was like, yeah. this is the weirdest. Like, I feel like I'm your at work entertainment right now." Um, yeah. But a the, the one of the things that happens to me a lot when I'm traveling is. I worry a lot about what will happen if I if I make somebody who's assisting me upset because if you don't the, just a, a reality of yeah. disabled life if the people who are helping you don't like you they will give you less quality help yeah and so it's very hard for me to turn down the requests of people who are assisting me and so in my head, I was like, well, 
maybe there's a music talent discoverer flying in this airport right now and they will hear me singing and want to hire me to to do like backup vocals on a cd or something and so i sang a chorus of uh steven sondheim's um uh or not sondheim uh steven schwartz's uh a stranger stranger in the rain um from children of eden uh oh no um did not get discovered by a music talent agent, by the way. Um, and uh, it's among the more uh, embarrassing things in my life. So I, I gotta airports, tell you, man. as someone who legitimately processed, I was going to say suffers with, but that's too strong, uh, processes through side along social anxiety. <laughs> yeah, you, you feel yeah. my pain here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this experience was years ago, hopefully, but yeah. my pulse is just like going through the roof right now. Uh, so wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a time. And we were going to do, and maybe still our best and worst travel scenarios, and you may have went right out of the gate with that one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely on the uh, on the worst list. <laughs> so but, uh, um, yeah, that's that's my experiences. But you you were asking you know about the the meet and assist and and talking about the uh, you know your gratitude for for having access to to vision while you're you're navigating an airport so do you the on the whole i guess this is where where what i'm curious about on this uh area and then we'll move to some other things but if you were to design the meeting assist system uh either things that they're doing well and they need to continue to do and emphasize or things they're not doing at all. What would you as a person with uh, sighted uh, situations, uh, what would you uh, advise them to do? How would you set it up? I mean, I think mostly they, they need better training. Um, they need better training and they need better staffing. Um, because the other thing that, that will happen frequently is um, you you wait around for a meet and assist for a really long time. Um, usually happens less when I um, when I arrive at an airport for I, I think because the home base for the meet and assist people is by the check-in counters. Um, they mm -hmm. they're usually more available when you when you arrive. When your plane lands, despite it being on in their records how many people need a meet and assist on each plane somehow there are never the correct number of meet and assist people waiting when that plane lands um and the the sense that i've gotten is is that that's that's less a systems issue and more a staffing issue they just don't have the number of people that they need doing this yeah. job yeah um but mostly I just, I really think they need training. Um, you know, there, there have been a few people I've met who clearly have been trained in proper sighted guide technique. 
Um, but they are very few and far between. Um, you know, most yeah. people uh, really don't know uh, how how to guide me, or you know, and, and are like I said, asking all those inappropriate questions. Um, they also clearly the the airport systems are very clearly set up. Um, they want everyone who needs assistance to be taking an airport wheelchair. That that is what they want, and in fact, they have tried to put me in a wheelchair many, many times, um, and a couple of times that that has been what's had to happen because they they have told me they literally cannot help me if I don't take a wheelchair, and I I don't believe them, but again, I I have very little yeah. power in this situation. Um, yeah, what are you gonna do? Exactly. So, and like I. I think that that does make things easier for them that like, it's, it's just a little easier for them to, uh, you know, be able to push me through the airport rather than needing to deal with me going where I'm trying to go. Um, but that's not a situation that I feel comfortable in. That is not the assistance that I need. And so like they need a system that can adapt to individual people's needs mm -hmm. um and uh yeah just just some basic sensitivity training on like you know hey disabled people are people uh they don't all want to tell you about how they became blind uh and they don't want to sing for you in the airport <laughs> woof yep <laughs> um I would really like to know what training looks like right now, because as far as I can tell, it is disabled people should be put in a wheelchair and taken through security the end. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, um, I will say, um, well, no, I do have one more question for you, Becca, and <laughs> then I will share my airport, uh, journey or some about my airport journeys but mm -hmm. um we were talking off air uh that you like amtrak i do um, yes and, and you like the feel of being on the train i i i think um mm -hmm. is there a um how should i say is there a disability specific reason mm -hmm. you prefer Amtrak or is it just the overall 100%. Aesthetic? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. is it, what what is that? What's the, what's the difference? Amtrak has as far as I can tell, you know, may, maybe I I'll be wrong and they just hire people who are better at this for whatever reason, but Amtrak does seem to have actual robust training for assistance. Um, and so I, I have gotten some of the best assistance that I, I have gotten while traveling has, has been from Amtrak employees. Um, you know, there's, there's still been some hit and miss. There's still been, you know, some inappropriate questions. Um, but by and large, uh, the, the red caps, uh, from, from Amtrak, uh, are, are very good at, you know, like someone comes up to me and goes, you know, hi, I'm, I'm so-and-so I'm the Amtrak red cap here's my arm, I'm, I'm going to take you to your train, you know, it's the, you know, 54 Vermonter, right? Like, you know, they, 
They take yeah. down the information that I tell them. They talk to me like I'm a human being who has control over the the travel that I am doing. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, having talked to them, like they clearly are, or or at least some of them clearly assist visually impaired people a lot. Um, I I wonder if there's. Um, I, I think train travel has been something that blind people have been doing for perhaps longer than independent plane travel. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think that uh, Amtrak has, has kind of uh, gotten used to being a, a space uh, where they're, they're expecting blind travelers and, and their, their people are being trained to, to support us and, uh, are are taking in that experience as as they assist more and more people so for instance amtrak i will if i can i will always take a train over a bus because both because i i just like the train better but because while i can get some amount of assistance um using greyhound or peter pan I have not successfully been able to get assistance making a transfer from one bus to another. So if I can't get a direct route from my origin to my destination, I do not trust taking a bus. Whereas Amtrak will absolutely help me from one train to another. Um, And I I have experience and I have faith that they will do that. Greyhound, I'm pretty sure will leave me stranded in Boston uh, if they just, because they have forgotten about me before. (laughs) Um, So it's, I I just, I trust the Amtrak people much more to uh, care about me getting where I need to go. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's good to know. Um, And it's, so, I I just keep coming up with questions. <laughs> so if if you had your choice between a flight that was going to get you somewhere quicker and a, a train trip that was going to take a little longer and maybe even be across the country experience, mm-hmm. I assume you would still choose the train. I I would like to, you know, like if all other factors being equal. Yes, I would I would 100% like to do the train. The yeah. problem then comes in of like, you know, do I have multiple days that I can spend on the train? Um Yeah. And and the cost will definitely come in as well cuz uh you know, if <clears throat> I, I have I have never actually done a multi-day cross-country train trip in large part because I don't think I'd want to do it if I didn't have a sleeper car. Uh, I don't sleep well sitting up, <laughs> and yeah, that that just does not sound like a tenable. I, I'd just be completely exhausted when I got to where I was going. But if you want a sleeper car, that costs a lot more. Um, and so, yeah. like I've I've actually there was a time in college where a, a friend and I were um, contemplating a, a cross country trip, and we were we were hoping to do the train. But when we compared the costs of train travel with a sleeper car versus a plane trip the plane actually came out cheaper <laughs> yeah oh i i can imagine yeah so um 
Yes, let's talk about moving through the airport in a wheelchair. Please do, yeah. Uh, so when when you go to the airport, um, you know, I, I know like they don't at this time let your your power chair onto the airport onto the airplane. At what point do you have to to switch over to an airport wheelchair? Is that like when you first arrive and check your wheelchair or do you get to use <clears throat> your own chair? going through the airport most airlines that i fly um i think i've flown we usually do southwest because mm-hmm. they're our regional hub yeah uh, is in dallas and overall i have found southwest on the whole to be miles better than any other airline in mm. adapting and um uh, and dealing with the chair and I don't mean to be stereotypical but I do think it has something to do with being based in Dallas, Texas. And mm. for thirty years their big thing was being hospitable. Mm. And I know A&E has done an, uh, that airport show, that airline show that was on Southwest. It was kind of like, here's the dark side that you don't see. And it was a bunch of people mm-hmm. going crazy over airline travel. Yeah. But for our experience, Southwest is on the whole been very good. They understand uh, that I need my chair as long as possible. Um, so most airlines that we use, I think we've, I've used American very rarely because American is completely hit or miss. Um, I've used Virgin Airlines back when that was a thing. Um, Mm. that, that was what we took to New York and they were so niche and so quote unquote fancy. (laughs) <laughs> that it was a, a really easy experience, but we paid for it. Sure. Uh, yeah. But most times I travel, I get to go to the gate. And um, I I have even most uh, sometimes, I should say, been able to take my chair up to the door of the plane and then have an attendant take it back. Oh, that's uh, I don't really enjoy that uh, mm. because I would like to watch my chair when you take it away from me. That's so, a good point, yeah. If you got to put me in, a, in an airport wheelchair at the gate so I can mm. see where you're taking my chair... Um, I will, I will probably prefer that, but yeah, you can go, usually you can go up to the gate, um, <laughs> and it's to the point where, um, if I get somebody that's, no, you've got to get this out before we let you board or before we let you, uh, uh, once you're finished the security, I'll mm-hmm. just ask somebody else. Fair. Because <laughs> that individual clearly doesn't know what they're talking about. So, uh, 
You know, I'm that, not that's a... probably the strategy I should take when they tell me I have to take an airport wheelchair. It's just like, no, this <laughs> isn't true. Let's find someone else. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not above like searching through the employee roster until I get the answer I prefer. Uh, but I would say the number one reason we don't travel by air right now more is um, you know, once you once you are out of your chair, um, it is completely in someone else's hands. Yep. And this has gotten, I'm not going to use the word worse, but more pronounced the older I get. My mm. chair feels like an extension of my body. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's almost, no, not almost. It's not even an almost there. It's like chopping my knees off and yeah. handing somebody my knees and go, please be very careful with these. these please the please only... make sure these get back to me. I kind of need yeah. these. <laughs> and, and I will tell you, that's been the, the rub. Is, and I, I usually get to my seat, and if I'm facing uh, the runway in a way that I can see what's going on outside, I will immediately put the shades down because I don't want to see what they're doing to my baby uh, to get it on the plane. And the one... The, the several times I've caught that and it's more rare than not that you do but you're like oh god that's right there oh god why, oh, why is that person lifting it like that and yes it's heavy guys be gentle uh, yeah it, it's heavy but it also has a lot of delicate machinery to it <laughs> and I've I've had wheels come back crooked. I've had uh, the release mechanisms that that makes my chair go from electric to manual and vice versa have been completely like sheared off. Oh man! Uh, and thankfully i've never i i don't believe i've ever had a situation where the chair was not uh usable after air travel but i've had a situation where i've added hours to my trip because uh i've had to explain you broke this mechanism and yes it works fine now but if I needed to use, if I needed to disengage my chair, I can disengage it from here. I'm not sure I can get it re-engaged. Mm. Uh, so, so that is why we take the car. Cause, uh, and just quite simply to kind of build on what you talked about earlier and I promise I will take a breath um, <laughs> but um, so for those of you that don't know and can move around freely on an airplane 
what you usually have to do is, even if they let you take your chair to the door of the plane, mm -hmm. somebody will have to transfer you to an aisle seat mm -hmm. um, and then move you using that aisle uh, chair, or what I like to call the Hannibal Lecter special, uh, <laughs> because some. Some are like chairs, and some are like literally like a hand trolley with. Uh, wow! So it, it's it's very strange, but um, I completely agree. The listening to me when I tell you this is how my body moves. Um. Mm -hmm. I know you don't want that leg to do that. I don't want that leg to do that, but I don't have a choice. <laughs> if I were making the decision about that, that wouldn't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I will say, I've had some great folks that are like, you tell us what to do. And I've had some great some folks that are like, this is what we need to do, and let me cram you into this seat. Um, so it's not so much the experience that's hard for me. It is more the prep and the the world I have to build around myself yeah. preparing for that experience. Like, I get extremely verbal as the people with the aisle chair are coming just so I can see hey the, the, I'm sorry so they can see hey this guy can talk this guy knows what yes. he's doing you know yeah, I get lo no, I, loquacious I I so feel that like there's there's a lot of like performance that I feel like I need to do when traveling to like yeah like prove like i i am a person who knows what i need and can communicate it because if we don't do that people are gonna assume that we don't know or and can't communicate it like there's yeah I, I, mean... I this this happened to me a lot when i it does still happen to me a lot when i i fly with other people um, you know, if, if I'm, it happened, uh, it happened more when I wasn't carrying my cane actually, uh, cause I, I didn't used to travel, uh, with my cane, but mm -hmm. I, I would, you know, walk holding someone's arm and like, you know, just the ways that I fail to respond to visual prompting, people can tell that I can't see. And for reasons that I have theories about why happen, um, a lot of airline employees will look at me, you know, not responding to visual stimulation, look at my friend and go, can she see okay? And it's like, I yeah. just, <laughs> you, you figured out what's going on and you really yeah. jumped to the conclusion that you can't ask me that question. <laughs> and like, yeah. I, I will sometimes refer to this as disability bleed that people assume that a person with one disability has all disabilities. <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, I, I really 
I want to confront ableism in those moments to say, like, you know, even if I were someone who couldn't communicate effectively for myself or or in a way that you could receive, you should still be <laughs> attempting to address it. Like, I, I'm just like, I shouldn't need to prove to you all of these abilities that I have in order to to get treated with respect because yeah. you should be treating people with respect no matter what disabilities they have and, and at the same learn. time this is this is what I have to do like this I I need to play yeah. into ableism to a certain extent in order to get you to take me seriously it's a little bit like um I can't describe it in the way that would make uh, able-bodied folks completely understand, but I'll try. It makes us put our identity on trial almost. Yes. Uh, because I have to pass mm -hmm. as... As I'm never gonna pass. Mm -hmm. um, you would have a very hard time passing. Yeah. Um, in, I'm not trying to be. In funny. most circumstances, yeah. No, it, like in a familiar location, I can maybe pass. In an unfamiliar location, not so much. <laughs> From a distance, you can mm -hmm. pass. Yeah. But the trick is, your disability removes that distance. So. Yeah. There we go, but it's a, it's it's very performative, and I don't I don't like it. I don't know how to change it. I don't know. Well, you change it by better training, and you change it by uh, yeah. really some culturally based disability training um, and awareness training, really. Um, yeah. But I will say and. Beyond the getting to the place, I think there's another aspect of travel that is is very interesting to me. Um, is once you're in a new city, figuring out the cab situation and the mm -hmm. the vehicle situation in that city yep. is a whole mess. I bet, um, yeah. I've traveled in Nashville, and my friend Ken Crawford has gone as my aide, and we're both pastors, and we can tell you a story of we were out on the one of the, the live music streets in Nashville after a, a day at work, and the the accessible cab we ordered like was a nice guy, but clearly had never had to be used as an accessible cab in his life. Oh, boy. Because me on two beers and <laughs> my friend Ken on a drink were having to, like, guide this poor gentleman through. No, this is where the belt buckles go. This is what, oh, no, 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 no. Don't put that on that tire because you'll rip it right off if we stop. <laughs> it was just, it was so strange. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that's, and, and like, and that's so frustrating because it's like, 
So what does that mean that like you just you can't drink when you you know go out for an evening <laughs> because because you might need to educate somebody on how to make sure that you can safely travel like that's, that's just so ridiculous and unfair. I need to carry like a flip card system with me like <laughs> these are the number these are the number of beers I can have at revenge so I articulate. <laughs> Uh, if you need help, then you know I'll point and I'll indicate the level of help I can provide. <laughs> uh, oh goodness! But, but things like New York—I mean, that's why I like New York. New York was a phone call, and within five minutes, we had a cab. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was it was much more expensive, which is a whole other thing. Yep. But at least it was there. Um, yeah. I really just need to talk to if your population reaches this level, this should not be a, a luxury. This should be a requirement. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's very much a, like, you know, I, I encountered that kind of thing slightly less in, in that, you know, I, I don't need a, a specialized vehicle to get around, but like, <clears throat> yeah, dealing with Uber drivers for me is like about as fraught as dealing with, uh, you know, any other sort of travel assistance people, um, I, yeah. What I love about dealing with Uber or, or cab drivers um, is the number of times that I need to say that I'm blind before they realize that I really won't see where they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't, you know, I'll be on the phone with an Uber driver, you know, trying to find them. I'll be like, okay, you need to like, you know, stick your head out of the car and call to me. And they'll be like, okay, I'm I'm pulled over on this street. Do you see me? I'm waving. I'm like, so the part where I said I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, if, sir, I do not. <laughs> if you will, if you will see above, you will suddenly realize how ridiculous you look. Um, and I just like yeah. I, I think what a lot of these experiences have in common is like it. I. It, I know that this is sometimes true because people have told me so, and I and it feels true even at times when they don't tell me so. But it often is the case that you or I are the first disabled person that someone has had to assist. Yeah. And like, you know, in some cases, I can I can see how this happens, right? You know, like there there just are fewer people with our specific disabilities in the world and so like you know yeah if if you're you know a random barista you know maybe you you haven't had a blind person come into your coffee shop before if -hmm. you're the driver of an accessible cab if you're the person providing meat and assist at the airport i'm a little bit more confused how this has never come up (laughs) yeah and that's that is the um that's the thing it's 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 pioneer fatigue it's yeah um you know education fatigue um i will say this is probably where we'll we'll land the plane Uh, 
Whatever yeah. place. Uh, travel joke. Um, <laughs> there is hope, at least for flying with wheelchairs. Um, and if you haven't um, seen this, you can Google Google the article, and it's in several uh, disability uh, publications. I know I've seen it on Disability Scoops. I know I've seen it. Um, I think even in the Dallas Morning News and the New York Times, just it's it's pretty much everywhere by now. And we will try to include a link in the show notes to an article. Mm-hmm. But my one of the reasons I like traveling in my van is it's got an easy lock system, which means my chair has a bolt on it. I click it into the easy lock. It doesn't go anywhere. I put my seatbelt on and we go. They are about 18 months away from introducing that on airplanes. I am so excited for that. And it's, I, it's I can't one. believe that hasn't been done before, but I don't know why it's taken them so long, but it's so exciting. It's a slightly different system, but it's similar principle, and that means I could take my chair on an airplane, um, and you. This is high quality audio because you can hear it. You can tell how um, speechless that would. Literally, I can't. I wish I could. You can see my face right now. I can't emphasize how that changes everything for me um, and others like me. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to stay in contact with my wheelchair from beginning to end, even if I only sit in one location on every other airplane I ever take, Mm -hmm. is an absolute game changer. Absolutely. uh, For folks who use uh, chairs. And, um, you wouldn't have to deal with somebody taking your knees away every time you want to fly. Yeah, it's really what we're what we're aiming for is a minimum of human interaction in this process. Yeah, pretty much. Anything that allows me to interact with less humans. No, I'm I'm kidding, but not. Uh, and I'm so excited, and I, the minute that becomes. Uh, real and something that is I'm not even talking widely available I'm not even semi-widely I will fly just for the experience of going I'm on an airplane in my wheelchair <laughs> this is the craziest thing ever um, yeah absolutely well I, I think uh, you know like what what has been you know one of the common themes throughout this is, is just like how much more stressful and and fraught travel is when you have a disability and like and and so that's when i said like traveling makes me tired like that's what i mean you know uh, on top of yeah. the just like 
nobody enjoys being in airports. It's tiring and being away from your home is tiring. You have all of these problems that we need to figure out how to solve and all of these stressful interactions that we're anticipating. And just anything that would cut some of that out a little bit would would just be so make things so much easier and and like and would make travel accessible i mean there there are places that you have trouble contemplating going because it would be just such a long drive yeah yeah and i could travel international which is something i want to go to england before i die and i don't plan to die like anytime soon so don't Mm -hmm. get alarmed but um (laughs) That makes that trip um, more of a reality. And um, I think, Bay, you bring up a good point. And this is where I'll I'll invite you to land the plane officially. But nobody likes to travel. Um, Well, people like to travel. Nobody likes the process of traveling. Yeah. and there's nothing about having a disability or a diversely embodied reality, as we say, that make that is a net positive on that process. Yeah. Um, and something like those uh, chair locks at least are net neutral, and the novelty and excitement of the uh, experience might even be a net positive. So, you know... <laughs> Let's go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Net neutral leaning towards net positive. Let's let's make yeah. it a reality. Yeah. The other, otherwise the subtitle for Pelican was falling into <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness gracious. Uh land the plane, Rebecca. Yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Justin, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, if you have not uh, subscribed to us, I would love if you did, and uh, you can find us on uh, basically any platform where you can find podcasts, (laughs) Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Pocket Casts, all all the different podcast locations. and we're just so glad that you joined us here today. If you are traveling this holiday season, safe travels. I hope that it is less stressful and fraught than uh, damaging your wheelchair or than needing to sing in the airport. Uh, Indeed. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye. And uh, so, you know, we might, we are probably going to take at least one break between Uh, during the holiday season, but we wanted to get this one out to you. Bye, guys. Merry Christmas.